0: Yes, the Lord is our firm foundation, that, that we can build our life on him. That's good to know in the midst of uh, the kinds of times that we're having, when there's a lot that's uncertain, there's a lot that is shaken, unsettled, not like it was, not like it ought to be. You know, as we've been in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the uh, next section that we would be coming to this week, if we continue that series, is uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, and, and there, there, Paul writes to that church, he says, I don't want you to be unaware, uninformed, not knowing this, that, so that you don't grieve in the midst of loss as those who have no hope. Because that's the difference. We do have hope. Sometimes we need to remind us of the hope that God has given us. And that's, that's kind of what's been on my mind uh, these last couple of days that even in the midst of our 1 Thessalonians 4 series that, that I want to go somewhere different this morning. Now, if you're really looking to get into that, that hope of his coming and the catching up together of the church that 1 that Thessalonians 4 closes with, a people of hope and how we relate that hope to others, then, then I think we're going to put, put that online as a, as, a, as, a, as a Sunday evening message. But, but for this morning... I want us to go to a different place. What if there's a psalm? What if there's a psalm that that speaks to um, a prevailing plague or a sickness, at least, among one of God's people, and that sickness has created distance and separation, and in the midst of that separation, he wishes for how it was and he longs for, expresses in his prayer to God, he longs for the time when he used to go with everybody else to gather and worship. He, he misses the times when they would gather for, at the house of God for songs of praise, a, a, a weekly celebration of faith. There's a psalm that speaks to, I think, what a lot of us are feeling this Sunday morning as we have church at home with a few, rather than gathering together as our whole church, where the church scattered this morning instead of the church gathered, and I think this psalm speaks to that. I'm talking about Psalm 42 and 43. Now those two together, they make up three moves. So think of those as one psalm, 42 and 43, and I invite you to take your Bible, open up to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, I'm going to start. I'm going to read each section independently. Like it's it's almost, think of it as three three verses to a hymn. Think of it as three phases of prayer. There's a chorus in there that we're going to come to. There's a refrain that stirs up. It's like the psalmist is reminding himself of what he knows to be true. He's reminding himself of what he needs to remember and believe. So, Psalm 42 in verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me, someone, all the day long, where is your God? Or maybe it's a cry of of panic, where is God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. Sounds like maybe he was on the worship team with loud shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival celebration. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him the one who is my salvation and my God. For many of us, it's been a strange week. We have been cut off and that seems to be only increasing. We, there's this social distance we've been practicing. The problem with social distance is it means distance, that we're apart, we're away, we're separate, you have missed um, some of the weekly studies where you gathered with others and you had that connection and fellowship and friendship together as you reminded yourselves of what God's word has said to us. I think of, the, uh, I think of our seniors ministry, small groups that haven't been able to meet, uh, Friends that you haven't been able to connect with. Uh, sitting down together in a coffee shop. I went to get a cup of coffee just yesterday and I could go in, I could get my cup of coffee and, and talk for just a minute with the staff there, but there's no chairs to sit on. There's nowhere to, to connect with others. We're not able to do that right now. You can't go and break bread, bread together at a restaurant. Social distance has created distance for us and some of us perhaps more than others are, are aching under that distance. At the same time, you've endured loss. There's, there's, there's um, troubles that you're experiencing. There's fears that people are dealing with. Some of those relate to maybe your work and what's going on at work and will work survive this? Bills that are gonna come due. There's regular bills that come every month and yet now maybe, maybe I, I, I'm not sure where the income is gonna come from because my place where I work has been shut down. Maybe you're wondering about your savings, maybe long-term savings, retirement savings. Maybe you're just about to start to draw on those, and all of a sudden, all that is way up in the air. Maybe some of the losses that you've endured are just just that contact with others, the self-isolation. And perhaps among some of us it's it's a real critical. the um, people that you really need to be around, people that you know need you, and yet there's distance. The, um, we think of some of some in our family, some in our church family that are more vulnerable to this virus than others and we're worried for them. We know they're in one of these senior care facilities and, and they are taking just uh, serious and careful precautions, not not wanting people to leave even their own rooms or apartments, not allowing any visitors to come in and, and yet still we've seen the stories of, of the past when the virus landed there and began to spread and so... There's a fear, a worry, or an anxiety, a concern for people in those kind of situations. Where is God? What is, why is all this happening? What is going on? Sometimes, sometimes God takes away in order to give. What if what we're really longing for in the midst of this social distance is actually something that we allow other things to actually cover up and fill in, when what we're really lacking for in our humanity is not the social gathering, the security we find in work and employment, the stability we find with a regular routine week by week. But what if all of those things are our connectedness and identity, our security and our stability, all of what of all those are, are found in God himself. And actually God, pulls all of that away or allows it to be pulled away. I should take it that way because a lot of the things that happen in in the world, God gets credit for when he's simply the one sometimes creating the limits that the enemy cannot attack us any farther than this. There's the story of Job in the first two chapters. You'll see that. But still, God might allow sometimes good things even to be pulled back away from us in order that we might be pressed towards something even better. That's what this psalm is hinting at, I think. In the midst of everything else you've lost and the doubts that that might cause, society around us might also say, where is God? And we don't know, is that cry a a mocking challenge? So where's God? Or is that cry more of of a plea? Something like the plea that went out for a national day of prayer and we prayed. We prayed in our church for this Uh, this situation this last week churches all across the country met that whether they were able to gather or not and they they prayed in response to our nation asking us to pray and yet even as we pray we rush on with drastic action urgently seeking to save ourselves from this plague in the midst of that in social distance you've lost church doesn't God want us to be gathering together in church? You've lost that worship together. You've lost that time in the word together. You've lost that just being together, the going to the cafe and getting a coffee and a cookie and watching the kids mob the cookie table. You've, you've missed some of you chasing babies or youngsters in the nursery or pre-K. That part of being church family together, even that's been taken away. Maybe you used to go to church, You'd go now and again just to be with others. And yet, maybe the soul's longing was not as merely to be with others, but the soul's longing is to be with God. And you find that within church community, hopefully. But we can also find that when we've been pulled back into distance and isolation. Verse 5 speaks, God's truth to one who's been kept away by these weeks—by these weeks' limits, these restrictions—kept away, maybe even before by distractions, maybe by wandering away, wandering off, or maybe you just didn't know that you can hope in the God of your salvation. Maybe that's God's why. Maybe that's kind of why we're in the middle of this. Why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Do this: hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalm repeats, or it seems to, but there's a little bit different tone here. In verse six, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, up in the north of Israel, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The psalmist describes himself reading the Psalms and there's comfort and encouragement for him there. I say to my rock, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Think of the enemy here, not as, not as somebody who's physically attacking with, with swords and spears, even as we know that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but, but, but spiritual powers. And our enemy is the weakness and the mortality of this flesh. In fact, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death itself. We can identify with this this oppression of an enemy, even in our own mortal weakness. One of the things that this virus has done is it has infected us with a whole new realization of our own mortality. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my mortality, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? It's trouble that makes us remember God. At times we feel helpless. Those are the times that remind us who we are, that remind us of our mortality, that remind us that we are vulnerable, that we can't keep ourselves, that anyone around us could potentially be the source of an infection. What can I do? How can I keep myself safe? I cannot. Oh, there's prudent practices that we're already fully in the midst of. And yet I cannot protect myself from something I cannot see. But somebody who sees everything can keep me. He can protect me. For a Christian, there is hope in fear. There is hope in the midst of our loss and the loneliness. There is hope in this. It's in his steadfast love. In the dark, he says, I pray to the God of life. This pandemic says that God has forgotten us, that we're on our own, it seems. Death advances, it threatens us, it scares some of us, or even just the restrictions. Maybe it's just simply for some a, a terrible inconvenience. It's gonna be more than that. But maybe it's an inconvenience until it's your friend, until it's it's your grandmother. That's threatened by this thing. And then all of a sudden it takes a whole new factor. There's a whole new level of concern and and helplessness that, that comes over you, like these waves and breakers that the psalmist describes. David's adversary, our adversary, it's an adversary that threatens with death. That threat of death that holds humanity in slavery to fear all of our lives, Hebrews says. Trying to find meaning and satisfaction in something, anything before death comes and grabs us and takes us away. Is there any meaning? Is there any satisfaction? Is there any real hope? Where is God? Where is God? Because our satisfaction, our hope, our security is only in him. Maybe it's time for, for pruning for fasting in life, for clearing away the other things that have gotten in the way of where life really is, of what life really is. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him. My salvation and my God. Do you, do you sense a stubbornness among the psalmists there? He's saying the same thing again. He's telling himself again. He's gonna keep telling himself this until he believes it, until he can't help but believe this. We need to be stubborn in our faith, in our determination that I am going to trust God no matter what else happens around me. The psalmist turns a page in the next and last. Verse, stanza, these last five verses that that actually make up Psalm 43. It says, Vindicate, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In those first couple of verses again, it sounds like treachery. There's, there's deceit. There's the helplessness. There's I need a refuge. I need a safe place. There's a move here in these doubts to a question, a prayer, a request. He says, Lord, vindicate my faith. Defend my weakness. It reminds me of the man who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. David's enemy, Our enemy. Who is it? Who are these ungodly people? In fact, we are the ungodly people. It's from our own deceit and our own injustice that we need God's salvation, God's rescue, God's intervening. There's the paradox of our faith, that God is our refuge. And yet, our experience of the brokenness of humanity in rebellion against God And that feeling of its separation from God, that's what we need to be rescued from. That's what we need his refuge for. That we have fled from God and so we need him to rescue us from our fleeing from him and all of the brokenness in humanity that it's led to since. Sickness is an example of that illness is an example of that there was none of this in the garden prior to the fall and humanity's rebellion, and yet here we are and so what's God's answer then are we stuck here is this how it's going to be waves of this will forever come upon us I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of leaning now back into First Thessalonians 4 but I'm going to save that for tonight but God's answer in this psalm is here look at verse 3 he says send out your light and your truth let them lead me Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the stringed instrument, O God, my God. You know, I I want you to look at verses three and four in a new way. When he says, send out your light and your truth. I want you to remember that Jesus is the light of the world that Jesus himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him. And that, remember, the most basic statement of the gospel, that God so loved the world that he sent. When you think about these verses three and four, I want you to see Jesus there. In the midst of our need, our brokenness in humanity, the sickness and the death that plagues our experience, God sent his Jesus right into the middle of it. He is God's light and God's truth personified. God himself in human form steps into our broken humanity. He says, let them bring me to your holy hill. I want to suggest to you that that holy hill is a hill in the midst of Jerusalem. In fact, it's the center of Jerusalem. It's that hill, Calvary. Did you know that that hill of Calvary is actually a little higher than the Temple Mount itself? And God's holy hill in Jerusalem is the way that he brings us into his dwelling place. Remember Jesus said in that same place where he says, I'm the truth and the, the way, the truth, and the life. He says, in my father's house, are many rooms, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go, and when he says I go, he's talking about going in his death. He says, I go in my death to prepare a place for you, a place for you in the Father's house, a place for you in God's own dwelling. God came into our brokenness in order to take us to be with him. That those, as Ephesians 2 said, those who are far off would be brought near to God, restored back into relationship with God by the blood of Jesus. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy, and there I will praise you. We go to his altar where it was that Jesus himself suffered for us. In the midst of the trouble, we are reminded of our mortality. We're reminded of humanity's death, of humanity's separation from God. We, We feel it. We cry out in isolation from others as well. We feel that separation. We say, where is God? And God says, I'm here. In fact, I came near. God the Son, Jesus himself, entered the loss, entered the suffering. He entered the isolation, the separation. Talk about social distance. When you think, hear of social distance, I want you to think of this. I want you to remember this. There on the cross, there on God's altar, giving his life for you and for me, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Talk about social distance between the father and the son and he did it for you, he did it for me. (sighs) And loss, remember that. Feel that. Feel God who so loved you that he came into it for you to bear it for you, all of it, even the loss and separation. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me because I forget, but I need to remember hope in God for I will again, praise him. He is my salvation. He is my God. Whatever you're feeling, it might be fear, fear for somebody else, fear for somebody else who's older, maybe somebody who's more threatened by the reality of this than, than your feeling. Maybe it's worry or anxiety You have needs that you need to bring in prayer before God. And does he hear and will he answer? It might be the virus. It might be jobs. It might be be bills and income and future. It might be just the loss of things that you're experiencing this week. The separation, the loneliness, that you're feeling that isolation from others. What I'm telling you is this. Feel all of those things. We, we can easily try to fill ourselves with one kind of comfort food or another, whether it's, whether it's Netflix binging or whether it's comfort ice cream or whether it's getting back into the silly debates of our society so that that just feels normal and okay again. Feel these things that we have in this moment. Fear, worry, anxiety, separation, loneliness. Grieve these losses. Feel humanity's separation. And yet we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God in the midst of all of this. Hope in God. We will yet praise him. Forever with the Lord we will be. We will yet praise him. He is our salvation and our God. Amen.